0: All right. Well, since we have finished up the miracles of Christ, I've been praying about where to begin preaching and studying and going through on Sunday mornings uh, since we finished up the miracles just before the holidays. And uh, now, just so you know, we're going to continue studying through the book of Galatians on Wednesday evenings, which I encourage you, if you haven't come out to that yet, come on out. All right. We just turned a page into chapter number five, but I believe that the book of Galatians will help every believer every Christian solidify and strengthen that their, their salvation is by grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone, all right? Not of works, but of Christ. That's where our salvation is. And we'll continue that on Wednesdays. On Sunday evenings, we're gonna continue. For next Sunday evening or two, we'll continue on this series of study. We began looking at things that don't make sense. Different phrases, uh, different texts, different verses from Scripture. As you read them and look at them, you're like, you know, I just don't quite understand that. Such as, pray for those that persecute you and revile you. You know, that don't exactly, in our human understanding, make sense, does it not? It doesn't for me. We'll continue a few of those. And after we finish that up on Sunday evenings, I'm already looking ahead at what to do. And I'm praying about this, going through it, but praying about this, of learning these spiritual gifts. And you're like, spiritual gifts? You mean like speaking in tongues and you know healing people and stuff like that? No, okay? That is not what I'm talking about. But rather the spiritual gifts that God gives every individual believer that's found in Romans chapter 12, such as these, a gift of service a gift of teaching, gift of exhortation, a gift of giving, a gift of mercy, and some others. Uh, those kind of gifts. We'll, we'll do a short dive into those very soon. And it's my prayer as we do, listen, as we do a dive into those, in my prayer is that God will highlight in your life one or more that's more evident in your life, uh, your gift. God will show you what he has given you as a gift of, of the Spirit, and you'll find out what your gift is and use that gift. Now, not for yourself. God does not give us spiritual gifts to use selfishly, okay? Rather, God gives every believer a gift to use in the context of the church. And as we use the gift that God has given us, there's no telling How we as a body believers can grow together. Because use these gifts to exhort one another, uh, admonish one another, to help one another, and to move forward. Again, I'm using that, that phrase, that term, moving forward and growing together. So that'll be another study we'll look at on Sunday evenings. But as I'm considering the Galatians we were going through and the miracles of Christ found in the gospel records we have gone through and then looking at the potential of going through the spiritual gifts that God has given us, all of that is in the New Testament. And so my mind began to go to the Old Testament and praying, God, where would you have us us to go? Where would you have us to study? And uh, as I'm doing that, I believe, God, has directed us to go into the little book of Jonah, all right? And so we're going to find our place in in the book of Jonah uh, this morning. Now, it's a smaller book, so it won't take us nearly a year to go through like it did the miracles and all God's people said. Why'd you say that? But anyway, so for the next several Sunday mornings, we will look at this little book together. So go ahead and find it. Find Jonah, Exodus, Leviticus, Jonah, Matthew, Revelation, all right. But Jonah is found right in between Obadiah and Micah. And you said, what? Obadiah who? <laughs> right. Well, find Daniel and keep turning right. You'll find it, okay? But we'll be in this little book together for the next few, several Sunday, Sunday mornings. But as you're turning there, let me ask you a question. What comes to mind when you hear the book of Jonah? When a preacher says, turn to the book of Jonah, what comes to mine. If I had to guess, you already said it. <laughs> the, the great fish or Jonah and, and, and the whale, which I believe it was a whale because, well, that's what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12. It was a whale. But that's exactly where most of our minds would go to when we think of Jonah because that's what we're familiar with. We're familiar with the story of Jonah and the whale. But understand something. Listen, though as amazing that story is, miraculous as it really is, Understand, there is way more in this little four-chapter book of the Bible than just that story. But because of that story and many others found in Jonah, understand this little book has become a book of, uh, that really has been scrutinized by many people. Because of this event, because of the whale, because of other events, it has been scrutinized. But mainly because of this book of the Bible. Understand, or, or that that story in this book of the Bible. Understand, it has been ridiculed and scoffed and even denied by the haters of God and the critics of the Bible. They get hung up on this event. They get hung up on it and completely de- deny the this little book completely because of that. I find it interesting that so many people get hung up on the miraculous things of Scripture, things they can't explain in their own vernacular. But listen. This story as well as many others in this book and in the Bible are 100% accurate, 100% true. I believe it wholeheartedly. But don't take my word for it. I am I find in the New Testament that there's another man greater than all of us that gave validity and credibility to this event in the book of Jonah. Matthew chapter 12 verse 39 through 41. If you want to, you can put that in the margin of your Bible. It's a reference to what Jesus said about Jonah, all right? But he answered and said unto them, An evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, and there shall no sign be given it but the sign of the prophet Jonas. For as Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh shall rise in judgment with this generation and shall condemn it, because they repented at the preaching of Jonas. And behold... A greater than Jonas is here. So listen, if Jesus gives credibility and validity to this story of Jonah and Noel, understand it shouldn't matter what any other man says about that story. I don't care how many degrees are behind his name. He is not smarter and greater and wiser than our Savior Jesus Christ. Therefore, I want to declare to you this morning, this story 100% true, 100% accurate, It is no fairy tale. It is no mother goose rhyme. No, it is the true living word of our great God. You can trust this word. So, as we come to the book of Jonah, please know, it's more to it than just the story of Jonah and and the whale, as amazing as that really is. There's so much more to it in this little book, so much application, goodness gracious, uh, listen, this morning, we're not going to finish the message that, uh, that we have. We're going to finish it this evening. It's going to go ahead and throw it out there to you. So when we're barely through the first point, you look at your watch, you say, Good night, preacher. We're not going to beat the Methodist to, the, to, to Cracker Barrel or whatever. Uh, you need to hurry up, all right? Don't get too nervous, okay? Just know that we're not going to finish it this morning. we will finish it this evening. But there's just so much packed, so much application packed in this little book of the Bible. We're going to learn about Jonah himself, how Jonah was a prophet of God. And he lived during the time of King Jeroboam II. and you can find that in Second Kings. You want to put that in the margin of your Bible? Second Kings chapter fourteen, verse twenty-three through twenty-five. But it is during that time, no doubt that Jonah did much for the Lord in the northern kingdom of Israel. He preached, he prophesied, and he did so much serving to the Lord for the Lord daily. And he did it this way. Here's the key word, I think. Willingly. Because we know in the early part of Jonah, he was not so willing to go to Nineveh. But we'll learn much about about him. We'll also learn how Jonah uh, led one of the greatest evangelistic outreaches or crusades of all time. For we'll find in Jonah, we'll see an entire city, thousands and thousands of people, repent and believe God at the preaching of one man. This has been an amazing event to be a part of. I mean, think about it. An entire large, the Bible says great city, meaning huge city i don't know how many thousands but i promise you it's bigger than fletcher all right but thousands it was a three days journey from one end of the, of the city to the other three days journey amazing but thousands and thousands of people repented at the preaching of john and believed god and were spared the judgment that was about to fall upon them i mean can you imagine that think about it for a second would you be at least a little bit happy Just Maybe some of you say amen for the first time in your life. Hey, man, all right, wonderful, you know. Uh, Just a little bit happy. Sure, we'd, we'd have a little bit of gladness in our hearts over people, a city, thousands of people, getting saved and right with God, absolutely. But understand Jonah, he got angry at these results. A prophet, a preacher, got angry with those results. Could you imagine your pastor getting mad because people got right with God? You'd probably vote me out that same day, I would say, right? Uh, that'd, be, that'd be awful. But listen, that's what happened in Jonah. They got mad at those, those results. Also, we'll consider Jonah, we'll consider Nineveh. Nineveh being a great, huge city, one of the largest at the time, probably. Uh, very well could have been the capital of the Assyrian Empire at the time. And for you that love geography, who here, you, you, you love geography, you just love it. Two, one, three, all right, four. All four of you uh, that love geography, it may be of some interest uh, to you to know that uh, the Assyrian Empire, especially Nineveh, would have been in the area of modern day Iraq. But we'll learn something about Nineveh. It was a very wealthy city, sitting right in the midst of a major trade route to the north, south, east, and west. Everything came through Nineveh. They're also very, uh, very wealthy, not with just material things, but in their military, a great military. Conquered much of the land and much people. But in their dealings with people and in their dealings with conquering land, they're a very brutal and wicked people. As the Lord said, "Their are great wickedness. We'll learn something about that. But the greatest thing that we will learn as we study the book of Jonah together is not about the great prophet Jonah himself. It's not even about the great storm that will come upon him and the other sailors. It's not about the great fish that will swallow Jonah. It's not about the great city of Nineveh even or their great wickedness. Rather, what we will learn much about in this four-chapter book of the Bible is the greatness of our God. I'm telling you what. There's so much to learn of the Lord. I believe it's some 38 times he's referenced in one form or another. In just four chapters he's referenced. Listen, this book is more than just about Jonah and a whale. No, no. This is about Jehovah, all right? This is about God. This is about the Lord. We'll see his great mercy, his great care, his great power, his great love, his great forgiveness, his great compassion, uh, his greatness in giving us second chances and so much more. Understand, Jonah... It's not so much about Jonah as it is about Jehovah, all right? So mark it down. We're going to learn about God through this book, as we should every book of the Bible, all right? He is the main theme. He is the champion of it all. We're going to learn about God. So let's dive right into it this morning. Jonah chapter 1 is where we'll be. And we'll read the first three verses for time's sake and dive into the message, okay? So Jonah chapter number 1 and verse number number 1, the Bible says... Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord and went down to Joppa, and he found a ship going to Tarshish, and he paid the fare thereof, went down into it, to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Our Father, we thank you again for your love to us. We thank you for so compassionately giving us the Word of God. And I pray as we study this little book of the Bible in the Old Testament, the book of Jonah, Lord, you'd help us to see the application and apply it to our own lives personally. Help us do it personally, not apply it to others, but to ourselves. And help us to see you in every detail, see you in every verse, see you on every page. Lift our eyes unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. We love you. And Lord, I pray you to help me to preach because I know without you, I know without you, we can do nothing. Please help us in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so the first thing I'd like for us to take notice of this morning as we're considering Jonah and considering this text is this. Number one, take note of this. Number one, the Lord's request. All right, the Lord's request. Look again, verse number one. Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city. Cry against it, for their wickedness is come up before me. What was the request, the command, the call that uh, uh, the Lord gave to Jonah here? It's a two-letter word I'm looking for, and uh, it's the second word in verse number two. What is that little word? Someone tell me. Go. Go. All right. That was a simple request that God gave to Jonah to go. And understand something about this request. Number one, this request was clear. It was clear. This is a simple and clear command from God to his prophet, Jonah. Let me ask you a question. When you were getting directions, either from your employer concerning your job, or directions when you're making a certain uh, dish for supper. You're looking on the back of that, uh, of that box that you threw in the trash for the third time. You've got to get back out to see those directions. Anybody else done that? Just me? All right, all five of us? Good. Okay, glad I'm not the only one. But you're looking at the directions to, to make a meal for supper. Or you're looking at directions to assemble that beautiful dresser that your wife has bought from Ikea and if you've never put anything together from Ikea, it'll test your Christianity. All right. It's a great time. You should try it sometime. All right. But when you're looking at directions or instructions to put things together, uh, what, what are you looking for? Well, for me, what I'm looking for is for those directions, those instructions, to be crystal clear. All right. I need clear instructions. I need clear directions as I'm looking at these at these things even add some pictures to them that's great that's my favorite book to read the ones that have pictures in them all right but i need some pictures maybe in a how-to video i want it clear that's all i'm saying i need it clear and i believe we'd all agree that we need clear directions because when they're clearly given they can be clearly understood and when they're clearly understood the task at hand can be clearly executed you with me thus far okay we need clear instructions. And this task that Jonah was given, this command, this request, this call, understand it was clearly, clearly given. There was no gray area here, Jonah, there was no loophole. It was simple. It was black and white. The word of the Lord clearly came to Jonah as it has done so several times before, seeing he has been a prophet for some time. And what he was supposed to do was go to Nineveh and cry against it. It's simple. It's easy and clearly given. And we're given a clear task from the Lord like this. What are we to do? We are to do this. It starts with an O, ends with a B. We are to obey. obey. That's right. Simple. Clear instructions are simply to be obeyed. But we know, we know that Jonah, as soon as he got those instructions, as soon as he got that request, as soon as as he got that that command, what did he do? He disobeyed God, which we'll get to later, all right, probably this evening, but we'll get to it later. We'll get to it later. But understand, this command, this request was clear. It was clear. Now, church, listen. Here's some application for us. We have been given clear commands as well. We can find in the Word of God that we have been given clearly what God expects and wants from us. It's in black ink on white paper in this book that many of you are holding in your laps this morning. Now, I've not counted them all, but I've been told that there are over a 1,000 imperative commands in the New Testament alone. And God has given them in his book for us to read, for us to learn, and for us to live by, and here it is, to obey. Now, I'm not going to go and look at every uh, 1,000 of those imperative commands this morning, and all God's people said, I'll say amen as well, all right? But we're not going to look at all those this morning, but there is one I would like for you to take that... um, is identified with the the same command that Jonah was given, I want you to take it and I want you to chew on it rest of the day. I want you to chew on it rest of the week, rest of your life. This command that Jonah was given, which was what? Two-letter word? It was go. Understand that same command has been given to the church as well. Listen to these verses, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. In Mark chapter 16, verse 15, And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Again, in Acts chapter 1, verse number 8, which is the very last thing that Jesus told his disciples just before. He ascended back to heaven. He said this, But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Understand. This is a very clear commission that God has given to his church. And it's simply this, to go. Just as he told Jonah to go, he is telling us today to go as well. Let me ask you quickly. Are you obeying this call? Are you obeying this command? Are you obeying this request from God of going? Are you going with the gospel? Are you giving the gospel? Are you telling others about Jesus Christ maybe some of you say this morning preacher I'm not very good at that I'm not very good at telling others about Jesus I'm not very good at explaining the gospel I'm afraid I may mess it up I'm afraid I may um, stumble over over my words and make a make a mess of it so ah, I just don't I'm afraid to well I get it I get it I do I understand that completely I sometimes fear as well that I may mess up when I'm talking to somebody about the Lord. I may mess up about explaining the gospel. I, I'm afraid sometimes I get like that too. And, and, and I, I get tongue-tied and, I, and I, feel, I feel like I ramble. And you say, yeah, you're doing that now. Well, don't tell me, okay? But anyway. But uh, sometimes I get tongue-tied. You've heard it here from the pulpit, have you not? And you laugh at me and we laugh together and then I go home and cry later. But sometimes... <laughs> you're doing it again. No. But, uh, but sometimes I get tongue-tied, all right? I get that. I do. I understand completely. But understand something. The Lord has commanded us to go with the gospel. When it comes to being a witness, when it comes to sharing Jesus Christ, when it comes to sharing the gospel, we are to do just that. Share the powerful message of the gospel. And be reminded of this wonderful freeing fact. The power is not in your delivery. The power is in the gospel itself. The Bible says in Romans chapter 1 and verse 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. So listen, even if our voices tremble, if our hands shake, we stumble over our words and we get tongue tied, or even if our timing is poor, understand God can still use that witness. He can still use you in that moment. But here's what he cannot use. Are you ready? Write it down. God cannot use our silence. Therefore, we must go. Understand the command of go that was given to Jonah was clear. And the same command we can read in the Word of God in the New Testament is just as clear for us today to go. Go tell someone of Jesus Christ, tell them of the gospel. And there's no telling how God will use that. There's no telling what would happen if we would just. Do just that of obeying God in this simple commission that is given every church, every believer to simply tell someone. Each one, reach one. I'm praying for that. I'm praying for our church. To each one, reach one this year. Each one, reach one. I heard a preacher give this thought recently and it really sparked my interest. So I want to share it with you. It's not original with me, but I want to share it with you. He said this. He said, let's say we set up a gospel crusade. I think that'd be a great idea. And maybe one day God will let us set up a tent across the way in that field. I'm praying God gives that to us. Will you pray with me on that? Just kind of share it in my heart. But God gives that property across the way. I don't really want to buy it. I'd rather God give it to us. Amen. God's not broke. He can do that. Okay. Let's just say we set up a tent across the way in that field. And for For the rest of the year, we set up a tent, and we invited people to come to the tent, had a gospel crusade, and we had 3,000 people saved every single day, just like at Pentecost. Wouldn't that be amazing? I mean, who who wants to be a part of that? Anybody? I'll see all 20 of you guys there, all right? But uh, I would love to see that. That would be absolutely, absolutely amazing. But do you know how long it would take to evangelize the current population of the world if we did it just that way? Where we set up a gospel crusade and 3,000 people were saved a day. That is if no one died and no one was born. All right, current world population. Do you know how long it would take us to evangelize the current world population? Now, I'm not very good at math. I did go to East High School. Have to forgive me of that. But it would take over 5,000 years to reach the world doing it that way. But do you know how long it would take? To reach the world's current population if, again, no one died, no one was born. And we use the principle that God uses, the principle of multiplication. And I know we're not supposed to use those terms in in church. It ain't school, right? And all the kids are put their heads down already said multiplication. I ain't listening no more, all right? But the principle of multiplication, that's that's the principle that God uses. What if we did the same? What if we simply obeyed the go call of going and giving the gospel? And let's just say that if... One person wins one person to Jesus this year. And then the next year, those two people win two more people the next year. And then those four people win four, other four people the following year. Now I'm going to go any further because some of you are going to take your shoes off to count. All right? So let's not do that. Let's just say it continues to multiply like that every single year. Do you know how long it would take to evangelize the current world's population if we did it that way? Around 35 years. (laughs) Pretty amazing. I'll take 35 years over 5,000 anytime. That's just one generation. A little more than one generation. I'm actually a little bit older than that. It's pretty amazing to think about. But that is if each one reaches one. So I like God's math. He's the... He's the mathematician anyway. I like his principle of multiplication. And so again, I want to encourage you, each one, reach one. Because the command is clear to go with the gospel. Understand, number one, with this request, it's clear. Number two, with this request, it is this. Number two, it's concise. It's concise. What do you mean by that, preacher? What do you mean this, this command, this request is, is concise? Well, here's what I mean. The message that Jonah was given to take to uh, the area, the city of Nineveh, it was not a three-hour-long message. It was not even a one-hour-long message. He didn't even preach for ten minutes. I don't even think it took him one minute to preach this one message. It's an eight-word message. Eight words you can preach in five seconds, and I did it semi-slowish. In five seconds. It's a five-second message, very concise. How many of you wish your pastor would only preach for five seconds? Please don't raise your hand. All right. (laughs) Concise, short, easy. This message, look at it with me. All right, let's turn over a page. Chapter 3, look at verse number 1. All right. Chapter 3, verse number 1, and we'll go down through verse number 4. The Bible says, And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go unto Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. So Jonah arose, went into Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was a exceeding great city of three days journey. And Jonah began to enter into the city a day's journey. And he cried and said, yet 40 days in Nineveh shall be overthrown. So the people of Nineveh believed God. Simple, short, concise Message and it sounds very familiar. Familiar that God gave him the first time in Jonah chapter one and verse two. Again, the Lord says, "Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, cry against it, for their wickedness is come up before me." I believe Jonah knew what he was supposed to say. I believe Jonah knew the message he was supposed to preach before he even began to turn and go to Tarshish, the complete opposite direction. I believe he knew what he was supposed to say. Why? Because again, the Bible says, "The word of the Lord came unto Jonah." Saying, And he knew this message was clear and he knew it was concise. Again, application. Us too. Us too. The message we have to give, again, is, well, it is concise. It is simple. It really is an easy message to give. And you don't have to have a doctorate's degree or a degree from a Bible college in order to give this message message it's simple and paul makes it as plain and simple as he can when he writes to the corinthian believers in first corinthians chapter 15 verse 1 through 4 listen to what the bible says moreover brethren i declare unto you the gospel which i preached unto you which also you have received and wherein you stand by which also you are saved if you keep in memory what i preached unto you unless you believed in vain here it is he's going to declare the gospel again here it is for I delivered unto you first of all, which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day, according to the Scriptures. That's the message. That's the good news, that Jesus died for us, was buried for us, and rose again from the grave for us. That's the gospel message, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. It's that concise. It is that simple. And that is the message that people need to hear. The gospel of Jesus Christ. How many of you would agree that our nation's in a mess? Anybody? Raise your hand. All right. Like, sign, opposed. Just kidding. <laughs> I would say we all believe that our nation is in a mess. And our nation needs Let's just put it in these terms, some saving, if you will, some rescuing, some help. But what's the message that's going to save a nation? Some folks are looking for a, me- from a-, or for a message from politicians. I'm going to tell you, they ain't got the message in a realm of politics. You know what politics are, don't you? Polly means many. Ticks is a, uh, well, it's a bloodsucker. And so there you go, many bloodsuckers. That's what politics are, all right? There's no salvation in politics, Some people look look to themselves for salvation, that they can do it. Well, look, there's no salvation there either. No, salvation is of the Lord. And Jonah made that very clear. He knew that as well. In Jonah chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. But I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that I have vowed. Here's what he said. Salvation is of the Lord. And Jonah preached that concise message that salvation was of the Lord to an entire nation. And guess what happened in that entire nation? They got saved because they heard a clear, concise message. Were there other variables that were working out in the life and city of Nineveh? Yes, there were. We'll look at some of those. But all the prophet had to do all that the servant of God had to do, all that this man had to do was to give a clear, concise message. And this entire nation was saved. So again, I want to reiterate this morning. Each one reach one. Will you reach somebody with the gospel? There's no telling how God will use that witness in that person's life as you share with them the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. You know how you start with that? You can start by praying. Many of you, no doubt, God has brought to your your mind, your heart, a name or a face that God wants you to reach and give the gospel to. Give them that word. Give them the gospel. Give them the message. Because they need to hear it. They need to hear it from you. They say, no, no, they hear it from you. You're the pastor. They need to hear it from you. Well, i will be happy to tell them, but more times than not, it's better received from you. Each one, reach one as we go with the gospel. That's the request. That's the command that God gave to Jonah. It was clear. It was concise, but he disobeyed. And it cost him a little bit. But I want to encourage all of us this morning... Don't disobey this simple, clear command that God has given to every believer, to the church, of going with the gospel. And that's not just for preachers and and missionaries and evangelists. No, no, no. That's for every born-again believer to go. Someone challenge you. Go with the gospel. Take these gospel tracts. Hand them out. Tell someone about Jesus. And each one, reach one. Let's simply obey this clear command from Scripture of go. Look at it with me again. Jonah chapter 1, verse number 1. Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city. Cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. Simple question, simple uh,